Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Luke. We'll be looking in Luke chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Luke 19, 5 and 6. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. We're going to talk hope tonight. We're going to talk Zacchaeus this morning. And so that's what I want to do. I switched it up and decided I wanted to do Zacchaeus this morning. And we're going to English class. Well, Peter was standing around the fire and Jesus was on trial. And they said to Peter, your speech betrays you. You have to be one of them. My speech betrays me. I am no English expert. I am not going to stand here and tell you a great extensive vocabulary of English and present to you all these great insights of the English language. We're just doing 101. We're going basic this morning with nouns, adjectives, and verbs. In Luke chapter 19, I want to read verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to break it down and look at words. Verse 1, Then Jesus entered the path and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, as Brother Tim read a moment ago, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. A noun, a person, place, or thing. An adjective, a word describing a noun. And a verb, a word of action. There's a lot more you can say about each one of those things, but we're going to keep it pretty simple this morning. And I would ask that you please not critique me too hard on the use of the English language. What I want to do is begin by looking together at nouns and combining them with the adjectives that we find In these ten verses of Luke chapter 19, I want you to think about what we find. Well, one of the first words and nouns that we come to is a name. It's the name of Jesus. Then Jesus. And the Bible tells us that he was passing through a city. But I want you to remember as you go through this same chapter of Luke, well, what's going to take place in the beginning of verse number 28? Down in the same chapter that we're examining this morning, down in verse number 28, we start seeing uh, Jesus making preparations for entering the city of Jerusalem. We call it the triumphal entry. I want to tell you that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die. 
I want to remind you that as we examine these 10 verses in Luke chapter 19, I want you to keep in mind the timing of this, that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, that about a week from then, he's going to die on the cross. That's where we are. We're very close to Jerusalem. He's passing through the city of Jericho. This is neither here nor there, perhaps, to you, but it's about 17 miles from Jerusalem. So he has already set his eyes to go to Jerusalem. He knows that the cross is in front of him, and now he is 17 miles from his destination. He's getting close. And he's going to lodge, it seems, with a man named Zacchaeus. Now, we come to this man named Zacchaeus, an interesting Bible character. First of all, Luke says, I want you to know about Zacchaeus, is he's a chief tax collector. He's the only uh, tax collector in all of the New Testament that is called a chief tax collector. We read about a lot of tax collectors. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9, Jesus was walking by the tax office. He saw a man named Levi, and he said, Levi, come and follow me. Matthew would become one of the apostles, tax collector. I want you to think about in this same very context of looking here in Luke 19, just go back with me to chapter 18. And I want you to be reminded of the thinking of tax collectors by the rest of the Jews. In verse number 9 of chapter 18, the Bible says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He said two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not even as much raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his heart saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus would say that that man went home justified rather than the other. But I want you to be reminded of how Pharisees viewed tax collectors, of how Jews viewed tax collectors. Notice the order that the Pharisee gives. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and tax collectors. You see where tax collectors rank, right? He said that you got adulterers and unjust men and extortioners above tax collectors. They were the lowest of the low. So on one end of the religious spectrum, you have a Pharisee. And way on the other end of the religious spectrum, you have a lowly tax collector. I just want you to be reminded of where Zacchaeus would have ranked with the Jews. He's collecting their taxes on behalf of the Roman government. They were known as liars and cheaters. Those who were stealing basically from their own people. Those who had turned against God's people and were working for the enemy. And they were nothing in the eyes of the Jews. They were unclean in the eyes of the Jews because of their dealings with Gentiles and others. They were just scum. They just didn't like them. And Zacchaeus, he's the chief tax collector. That word is not there by accident. The Holy Spirit saw fit to tell us that he was the chief. Don't miss this either. This is in passing, but the Holy Spirit also tells us through Luke that he was rich. Now, again, you don't get rich really being a tax collector unless you're pretty good at taking people's money. 
about being a bit of a cheater, perhaps, an extortionist, taking advantage of your countrymen. He was the chief tax collector. He was rich. And fascinating to me, he was short. As a short kid, I I liked Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. As the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Don't you know that Zacchaeus would have loved to know that one day children would sing about him? But wouldn't it be disheartening to know they would sing about your stature? (laughs) Oh, we little man. Oh, Adam, one day they're going to sing about you. They are going to sing about you, and it's going to be fantastic. What are they going to sing about? How short you are. Oh, great. What a compliment. I want you to think about this, though, because it is important to the story, isn't it? It's important to the story. It's there for a reason, that he was short in stature. Because next we find a crowd had worked its way in. And it's not just a crowd. I don't know what you picture here as a crowd, but, but the idea is absolutely a pressing multitude. It's people standing shoulder to shoulder. It's people who are standing shoulder to shoulder and several deep. There is a large gathering in Jericho as Jesus is making his way through town on his way to Jerusalem where he knew he was going to die. There is a pressing multitude. I think about big parades, Inauguration Day parades through the streets of Washington, D.C., big parades around Thanksgiving and different holidays where large gatherings are found and children are sitting on the shoulders of their daddies so they can see over into the parade. Zacchaeus didn't have a daddy upon which shoulders he could sit. And there was a crowd, there's a pressing multitude, there's no way for him to maneuver or squeeze his way through so that he could see what was coming. And so he, the Bible tells us, finds a tree, not just any tree, he finds a sycamore tree. More literally, he finds a fig-bearing mulberry tree. <laughs> Neither here nor there, but the, those trees were kind of neat because they, I'm told, they bear fruit year-round. The poor could feed on this fruit all year-round. Kind of a neat tree. I, I like to climb trees when I was a young person. And you're looking for a good climbing tree. This would have been your climbing tree, they say. It had branches that hung low and they were spaced far enough apart where you could climb up in it and you could see out of it. So this is the perfect tree for Zacchaeus to find. Jesus comes and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. We're just examining nouns and adjectives that we find in the text. We are going to your house, not, not just any house, Zacchaeus, I'm, I'm going to your house. And then he says, salvation has come to your house. Jesus says, I've come to provide that. I'm telling you that, that you're going to have salvation in this house. Now, I go through the nouns and adjectives in a rather hurried manner just to help us kind of get the scene, although I know it's a text that many of you are very familiar with. I'm not so interested in the nouns and and adjectives as I am the verbs. The verbs are really key. I want you to think about the verbs. Now, especially, first of all, when it comes to Zacchaeus, I want you to think about the action words. 
the verbs. What did he do? Well, your Bible says like mine uh, pretty closely to this. In verse number 3, that Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus. He sought to see. I'm going to give you the verbs, and then I'm going to give you another word to help us remember it. I want you to think about the word desire. When you think about sought to see, I want you to think about the desire that Zacchaeus had to be in the presence or to lay eyes on Jesus. He sought to see Jesus. Listen to me. This is a man who had a good job. This is a man who made good money. This is a man, it would appear, who had a family. But was unfulfilled. Had a greater desire that day. Was unfulfilled in all of those other areas of his life. I must see Jesus. A great, yearning, earnest desire in Zacchaeus that day. Sought to see is intense. It's intense laser focus. I have this great desire to see Jesus. I'm asking you today, do you have that in you? The desire to see Jesus. The intense burning passion within you. That you'll stop at nothing. That you must see Jesus. Verb number three. Your Bible says he ran ahead. That's fascinating to me. So here are all these people, this pressing crowd. He can't find himself any way to wiggle in and stand there to lay eyes on Jesus. He has a great desire to see Jesus. And so he runs ahead. He anticipates where Jesus is going to go. And he runs ahead so that he can get ahead of him and and have time to find somewhere to see him. He runs ahead. The word is anticipate. Anticipate. I worked for a farmer when I was in high school. I've probably told you many times before. And he would tell me, Adam, there's one word you must never, ever forget. It's the word anticipate. It's the most important word there is. And he drilled that into me. Adam, you've got to anticipate. You'll save yourself car accidents. You'll save yourself big heartaches. You'll save yourself all kinds of trouble if you will anticipate what's coming next. Anticipate. Zacchaeus did. Are you? Are you anticipating the day you see Jesus? Are you anticipating? Are you running ahead and being prepared? Are you anticipating? Are you filled with joy at the idea of, of getting to see Jesus? I think about those Christians over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Every time I think about this idea of anticipating... I think about how Paul describes these Christians in the city of Thessalonica. Those who have turned to God from idols and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. They're waiting to see Jesus. And the idea there is filled with eager anticipation. They're eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus. Are you? Am I? Zacchaeus ran ahead, anticipating the Lord. 
We need to be anticipating the, ret- the, the Lord as well. Number three, the third point here is that he climbed. Your Bible says in verse number four, he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree. He put forth effort to get up into this tree. Now, I want you to get the picture in your head of a grown man running to find somewhere so that he could look out and get a view of Jesus as he passed by. When you think about people climbing trees, if I asked you, would you in your mind right now picture someone climbing a tree? Got it? How old is that someone in your mind? It's a kid, probably. It's a young person. Because young people climb trees. Big people like me, we don't climb trees anymore because we know if we fall out of it, it's going to hurt more. We don't climb into a tree unless we're sitting in a stand with a gun or a bow and arrow. We don't sit in trees. We don't climb trees. Young people climb trees. Here's a grown man climbing a tree. Not just a grown man. A chief tax collector. Not just a chief tax collector, a rich chief tax collector climbing a tree. Zacchaeus, don't you know that someone might see you? Don't you know how foolish that must look to others? Who is that up there? Are you kidding me, Zacchaeus? And maybe the thought crossed his mind. What if the thought crossed his mind? I suppose it must have, probably. Someone may, in fact, see me up here. And I wonder if he hesitated, wondering what others must have thought or what others might have thought if they saw him up in that tree. And I wonder if he paused and thought to myself, I don't want to look a fool. I don't want to. People already don't like me that much. I don't want them to look at me that way. Maybe I won't climb this tree. Maybe I won't put in the effort. I wonder how many people there are walking around today and we see them eye to eye. eye And and they say, "Uh, yeah, you know, I've thought about becoming a Christian. But it's going to damage relationships. Other people are going to look at me funny. I'm going to have family members who, who, who will view me differently than they view me now. And, and it's going to cause hurt, perhaps. You know what Zacchaeus did? He climbed the tree. You know why? Because he had a desire to see Jesus. Do you? Will you put in the effort? Will you do whatever it takes? Zacchaeus did. Jesus got to that tree and he looked up in there and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Make haste and come down. Brother Tim read, hurry up, hurry and come down. I think about the excitement. I mean, he just wanted to get a glimpse. I think in his mind that day he was thinking if I could just see him. He sought to see Jesus. If I can just see him. My day, my desire, it will be complete. I I just want to see Him. Jesus comes right up to him and says, Make haste and and come down. And he did. He made haste and came down. The excitement uh, that Jesus is there and He's speaking to me and He tells me to come down. The excitement that is there. 
Jesus invites all to come to me. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Will you come to him in excitement? We should be excited to see and be with Jesus. Think about the excitement of Zacchaeus that day and the fact that he, he listened and did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Zacchaeus, hurry up. Come on down. And he did. He came down. He obeyed what Jesus told him to do. You see the verbs? It's all action. Everything he did was all action. He was listening. He was doing. He was climbing. He had a great desire. And when Jesus asked him to do something, he did it. Will you? Will I? I'm afraid we think of Zacchaeus as nothing more than a children's song. There's some great stuff in these ten verses, my friend. There's some wonderful truths that we find laid out here very simply for us to listen to and to think about. And we would do well to follow this chief tax collector in the example that he set forth that day. And all that he did, he came down. He listened and obeyed. And he stood and he said in verse number 8. He's now standing, looking at Jesus, looking at God in the face. And the Bible says he stood and he said. And he made a confession. He opened his mouth and he spoke words of confession. He was pricked in his heart. And he responded by confessing what he would do. And I would tell you finally in the last two verbs that I want you to see in his life... He says, I give and I restore. You see that again in verse number 8. Lord, as he's standing and, and speaking, he says, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. I think the uh, New American Standard says it best in that particular translation, where Zacchaeus in essence says, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I will give. I will restore fourfold. It's as if he is saying, Lord, from this day on, I am going to be an honest tax collector. I'm going to live honestly in the lives of my fellow man. I will do this. It's repentance. Lord, I'm changing my ways because he was pricked in his heart. This is what I'm going to do. In chapter 18, Jesus was standing in the presence of another rich man. And that rich man asked him, Lord, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? In verse number 18. And Jesus goes on to tell him what he needed to do in obeying uh, the commandments of the old law. And he says, all these things I've been doing my whole life. I've kept this from my youth. And, And Jesus says, well, you lack one more thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and come and follow me. If you give it to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. And so come and follow me. And the Bible says in verse 23, that that man went away from Jesus sorrowful. The rich man in Luke chapter 19 did not go away sorrowful. The rich man in Luke chapter 19, Jesus says, has salvation come to his house. Because he is a son of Abraham. His willingness to repent. My friend, will you count the cost? Will you see the need to be obedient and faithful? Will you have a soft heart of repentance? 
having a desire to go and to be with Jesus, anticipating the day of His return, anticipating the day when you will lay eyes on Jesus yourself. The excitement of that day, is it real in your life? Do you find yourself more excited about basketball than the return of Jesus? We need to think about this and give it very serious thought. And I would just say to you that that these ten verbs tell us a lot about the attitude that you and I should possess. But I can't leave this morning. I've got to take a few moments, don't I? And, And give you the reason why. All right, Zacchaeus, I see ten verbs that that describe the action that you undertook. I understand the nouns and the adjectives and and how you're described and those things that you did. And and I see what, what that led you to pursue. But why? And what's in it for me? And why should I really want to follow your example? Because of Jesus. Hang with me. Think about this. Because this is the key to all the text. Think about how Jesus is described in the same context. And my friend, I hope this will bless you richly because this is important. Number one, Jesus, the Bible says, when you look at the verbs that describe what Jesus did, the Bible says in verse number five that when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and saw Him. You remember the pressing multitude we talked about a few minutes ago? You remember the fact that people were literally standing shoulder to shoulder and Jesus is passing by on the road through Jerusalem or through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem? You remember all the crowd of people that was there, so much so that the short man couldn't even wiggle his way through to, to lay eyes on Jesus and he had to climb a tree? You remember the crowd? And the Bible says that Jesus passed by, came straight to that tree, looked up in the tree, and called him by his name. He looked up and saw him. Don't you dare lose view of what is happening here. There's a crowd of people. I don't care if it's a hundred people. I don't care if it's a thousand people. I don't care if it's a million people or 6.3 or 4 billion people. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. The first word out of his mouth in your Bible is what? Zacchaeus. He came to the tree and he looked up and he knew his name. Truth is, he could have walked by anyone in that crowd and done the same thing. He knew all their names. And the truth is, He looks down on you today and He knows your name. He knows your name. Isn't that amazing? He got to the tree. There was one man in the tree and He called him by name. Think about it. He knows every hair on your head by number. (laughs) And not just yours, but mine. And he could go around the room and he could go around the world. Isn't that amazing? He knows you by name. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul talks about fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. 
And then I want you to think about that while you're turning your New Testament over the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5 as you're thinking about Jesus and your name. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 5, Jesus is speaking and He says to Christians, He says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out His name from the book of life, but I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. Jesus is longing for the day to confess your name before His Father and His angels. Jesus is longing to write your name, my name, in the book of life, on the rolls of the saved. He knows your name. He died for you. And He wants to confess your name before His Father. And so I would ask you, in your current condition, would your name be confessed by Jesus to His Father? In your current condition, are you prepared for your name to be confessed by Jesus to His Father as one who's found in the book of life? These are things to think about, my friend, and I want to help you today. By looking at this context, the second thing we find is Jesus looks up in the tree. He calls Zacchaeus by name and he gives him a command. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down here, we might say. Hurry up and get down here. Like you call your kids in for supper at night. Hurry up and get in here, right? That's what he's saying. Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down here. Make haste and come down. I remind you that Jesus had the authority to do that because Jesus, well, He has all authority, Matthew 28 and verse 18. All authority has been given to me, He says, in heaven and on earth. He has the right to make a command. He has a right to to, to that because He has all authority. You don't, my friend, have all authority. Jesus does. You didn't speak the world into existence, I don't think, did you? You didn't create the world that you live in, right? No, no. Jesus did that. I suppose that gives him some credit. It should, right? Because he created it after all. And you didn't die for the salvation of mankind, did you? You aren't God, are you? Jesus is all of those things. And he has all authority. We live in his world. He doesn't live in mine. I live in his. And he made a command. He said two things. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Let me ask you, is that complicated? Did you get it? Make haste and come down. Let me ask you this. What does it take for Zacchaeus to obey the command of Jesus? Uh, Lord, I'm going to come down, but first I'm going to sit up here a while. Did he obey the command? No. Lord, you know, I'll hurry up, but I'm going to climb higher first. Is that it? obey the command? Make haste and come down. It is not complicated. And you and I understand that that he obeyed the command because the very next verse, whatever your translation reads in in that verse, in verse number 5, make haste and come down. New King James says, whatever it says in your translation, hurry up and come down, whatever it is, it says the same thing in verse number 6. Right? Check it. Jesus gives the command And it says in your translation, the very same thing in verse number 6, that that's exactly what Zacchaeus does. It repeats the very same words, doesn't it? He 
He made haste, and he came down. We, we understand it? All right, Adam, move on. Okay, I will. But listen, what about when the Bible says, when Jesus says, Mark chapter 16, verse 16, that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved? Well, Lord, belief, that's absolutely necessary. Uh, who, who's going to make it to heaven without believing in you? But baptism, well, that's something, uh, you know, take it or leave it. Maybe, maybe not. You're saved anyway, baptized later. So, they say, I'm about the Bible. Baptism's really not that necessary. My friend, the Bible says what it says. Jesus gave a command, didn't he? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Check it in your Bible. Doesn't it say it? So what do we have to do to obey it? Well, Lord, I want to believe, but I don't think I'll be baptized. Well, Lord, I'll be baptized even though I have no idea who you are or, or I'll believe you because I'm a baby. Is that what it said? No. You have to do the things to obey the command of Jesus. What about in the same book, Luke 24 and verse 47, where Jesus says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached beginning in Jerusalem. And repentance and remission of sins. Remission of sins, baptism, Acts 2.38. How can you do one without the other? Zacchaeus obeyed the command. He made haste and he came down. And if you want to be saved, you've got to obey the commands of Jesus. Zacchaeus did. It's a great example. Think about it. I'll talk about it more later if you want. How about this one? He offered hope and salvation. Jesus called him a son of Abraham. After his confession and repentance in verse number 8, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. You see, the Jews had rejected him because he was a chief tax collector and and they despised what he did and thought he was an enemy of God. And, And Jesus says, No, I'm restoring him in your sight. I want you to know that he is a Jew, that he is a son of Abraham, that salvation has come to this house. But more than that, I want you to know that Jesus was going to die in a week for not just Jews, but for all mankind. And Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 says that those who find themselves in Christ, those who have been baptized into Christ, who have put on Christ, later in verse number 29 says, you're an heir according to the promise. Christians, those in the church, those who are saved have the hope of salvation. Zacchaeus recognized the hope that was found in Jesus. My friend, do you? Do you see the hope that Jesus provides? And the last thing I've come to say today is this. In verse number 10, Jesus says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. If you have tuned out, I want you to tune back in. I'm telling you, this is the last point that I've got. It's the last thing I'm going to tell you, but this is key. I I want you to be listening to me, all right? So open your eyes, perk up a little bit, and pay attention to what I'm about to say. Because this is key. It's vitally important. It's eternally important to your soul. Jesus says, I have come to seek and save those who were lost. The idea of seeking. Jesus says, I have a desire. Zacchaeus had a desire, didn't he? Zacchaeus had a desire to see Jesus. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I have a desire for you to be able to see God. I have a desire for you to be able to go to heaven, to be with Him. 
And so Zacchaeus, I have come to rescue. I have come to save. Nobody else knew it, but he knew it. He knew where the road traveled. He knew where it was leading him. He knew that it didn't stop at the wall of Jerusalem. He knew where he was going. He knew the cross was in his near future. He knew it. No one else knew it, but he did. I have come with a mission, with intense focus. I have set my eyes on Jerusalem. I have a great desire to rescue people who... Who? What people? Lost people. People who are going to be destroyed for eternity in hell. I have a great desire to rescue you from hell. That's what Jesus came to do. Troy did such a wonderful job this morning of reminding us of what Jesus did in coming down, of going to the cross to deliver us from our sin. You put it all together and Jesus came with the desire to rescue those who would otherwise be destroyed. At what cost? The cost was His own life. The cost of His own life. What's your desire today? Are you anticipating the end of your life and the return of our Lord? Are you prepared? If you were to die today, is your name in the book of life? Is Jesus confessing it before His Father? Have you responded to Him in obedience? He came to die for you. He knows you. He knows your name and everything about you. And his desire is for you to live. His desire is for you to be saved. His desire is for you to go to heaven. His desire is to announce your name before His Father and His angels. Will you come to Him today? Will you have that burning desire within you that we see in Zacchaeus? Will you do what you must in order to be saved? We've talked so much about this already, but I would say that these are the things you must do in order to be saved and added by the Lord to His church. The saved are found there, Acts 2 and verse 47. If you've not responded to the Lord's invitation, He invites you now to come, as, we do, as do we, while together we stand and sing.